0: and business owners who want to know what the heck works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Stacey Tushel, and we're going to explore local business marketing. And I got to tell you, there is a big amount of ideas that come out of this interview. You're going to want to listen to the entire thing. And by the way, if you want to reach out to me, I am at Stelzner on Instagram, or you can email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And now for this week's brand new discovery.
1: Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip.
0: This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric?
1: Okay. So first I have a question for you, Mike. Are you familiar with what a long exposure uh, photography is?
0: Yes. It's when like the stars blur or the cars become lines at night, right?
1: Yes. And have you even seen like waterfalls, kind of the soft water effect or on the beach, all of that. So good. You know what that is. So I've got a great app that helps you do that with the power of AI. So you don't have to do as much work on your end in iOS and it's called Spectre camera. Tell me more. All right. So, uh, this is easy to use. I mean, I was blown away. I mean, I saw it in use in their demo videos, but then when I installed it myself and started playing with this, uh, the use of AI to do the long exposures is pretty amazing. And what it does is is it can see where the motion is happening inside of these images as you're taking them. And it can remove like the whole trail of cars from a bridge or crowds of people. You can make them start to blur out or disappear completely depending upon what setting you set it on. And it's pretty amazing what this thing can do. Uh, And you might be wondering, well, why would we want to use this? Well, this is perfect for getting out of the ordinary shots in ordinary settings and then using those on your Instagram account or you know every other social channel for that matter.
0: Does it require you use the live photo feature inside of uh, the iPhone so that it can kind of capture a little bit of the motion or is it capturing video and making a still out of it or what is it doing exactly?
1: That's actually a great question. So it doesn't require you to use the live photo. However, you can export that out. So you can even do kind of a, Like, for example, when I said the cars are there, and this is one of their examples, is it shows a bridge and it shows the cars, but then it can actually record it as a video of the cars moving and then disappearing to where they're not there anymore. Then you've got the choice afterwards that you can export out that, quote, video version or the still image version where the cars are completely gone. So you can actually export out video and still images from this app.
0: Is it recording it in video or is it recording it in still or is it just processing still pictures? Like what exactly is it capturing?
1: It's it's actually doing both at the same time. And that's where the AI comes in. So the, the power of, you know, not to brag, but the power of the Apple iPhone at this point has gotten so powerful. This is fully executing on some of the, you know, if you've heard the words metal thrown around in terms of the processing power. And this is where some of that comes in.
0: Got it. Interesting. So it must be capturing the things that are moving and then when they're not there and sewing the whole thing together to kind of create this cool shot. And is it just people and cars or is it clouds and water and all that stuff? Or what is it? Anything?
1: Yeah. Anything that's easily noticeable in terms of motion it can do so for example i did one of my kids and they weren't moving but then they kind of were turning their heads slowly and i got this blur effect of you know they're basically facing like three to five different ways in the photo all at once Hmm. it's kind of freaky but it was actually kind of artistic at the same time
0: does it let you control kind of the level of this kind of effect or is it just outputting the final product
1: it it does let you choose on some, basically a few different presets and one of the other things that's actually built into it I forgot to mention this is that part of this um this AI that's built into it is this computer learning this this um machine learning is it's doing uh, stabilization of the photo as it's being taken. It's processing the multiple different images. I mean, we've all done the thing where we hold down the phone, but the, the camera button and it takes like burst shots. Well, imagine it's doing that, but it's compiling them all together. So
0: interesting. What's the cost on this thing?
1: It's, it's a one shot one time two ninety nine. It was well worth it. In my opinion, I've been playing around with this and I intend to do a lot more with it soon.
0: Where do we find it?
1: So the easy way to find it and to look at all the demo stuff is just go to spectre.cam. So I'll spell that. It's specter spectre, dot spectre.c-a-m.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much, Eric. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you.
1: helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide.
0: I'm very excited to be joined today by Stacy Tushel. If you don't know who Stacy is, she is a local business marketing expert and she owns two performing arts studios and she's also host of the Foot Traffic Podcast and the founder of The Profit Mastermind for local business owners. Stacy, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am so thrilled to be here today.
0: So what Stacey and I are going to talk about is how local businesses can drive foot traffic. And I know if you own a local business or you work for a local business or you know someone who owns or works for a local business, this is kind of the thing. Uh, Before we get into this, I want to hear your story, Stacey. Tell us about how you got into local business stuff.
2: Yeah. So it really started right out of high school for me. I was a dancer in high school and I found dance really late and I knew that I wasn't going to be a professional dancer, but I didn't want to let go of it. So I decided that summer I graduated that I was just going to start a middle school dance team. And I put out fly, this was a pre social media. So I put out flyers in my community and I had 17 girls that first summer dancing in my parents' backyard for free, for fun. And within three years, I had a hundred, girls come into my parents' backyard. So I accidentally created a business. I had no idea that that was happening. So back in 2005, I incorporated, found a place that I could call home. We got out of the backyard and uh, fast forward about 16 years in from that backyard story. We now have a thousand dance and music students that come to us every single week. I still own and run the businesses. I have two locations now in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And we have about 40 employees and we're grossing over a million dollars a year and and have been for quite a few years now. So it's crazy how this has just snowballed.
0: So when did you start your first kind of out of the backyard local business? How long ago? What year are we talking?
2: Yeah, we're talking 2002 is the summer that it started.
0: And then you eventually found it so successful that you decided to start another one?
2: Yeah. So I started the second location in and. 12. And what happened was it it was going really well. It was really successful, but that's actually not why I started my second location. I started the second location. This is gonna sound so crazy, but I was honestly a little bored. I had brought this, I had I had grown this huge business, all these employees, management, everything. And I suddenly found myself kind of without a job, if that makes sense. Like there was not there was no place for me to go. And I thought that was my dream. I thought that was the vision. And I got there and I realized that nobody really needed me and it was a really lonely place to be and I didn't like it. So I decided, well, I need a challenge. What can I do? Let's open a second location. So I opened the location really to challenge myself. But I found out very quickly when you have systems and you have a team in place and everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing when within a year we were already profitable and that challenge quickly went away again.
0: Well, that's that's a great transition. Somewhere along the line, you decided to not just run the local business, but to teach other people how to do it. So talk about that a little
2: bit. Yeah. And that's exactly why that started, because I knew I needed the challenge. I love, love business so much. And just about four years ago, I decided, okay, I'm going to come online. I'm going to share what I'm doing with other people. It started very organically. Here in Milwaukee, people would see my business, see the full parking lot, would see that we had wait lists, and they would say, hey, can I pick your brain? Can I take you to lunch? So again, I started for free, for fun, just taking letting people pick my brain. And then it took me a little while to say, hmm, maybe I have a business here. Maybe this could be something. So it's it's been a while wild journey.
0: So talk about what you're doing today.
2: Yeah. So today I am really kind of going back to my roots and teaching local businesses, marketing strategies, just growth strategies, teaching them systems, how to really run this business without it feeling like it's running you. And marketing has always been my sweet spot. Marketing is actually what I was going to school for. I have a, I have a degree in business administration and marketing. It was always one of the things that I looked at loved so much. And it was actually the last position that I really, truly held in my studios. So, now I I'm still the visionary but I have people that help me implement in certain areas but marketing was always the thing that I wouldn't let go of so now I kind of have somebody that helps me really implement my vision and marketing is usually what people come to me for because everybody wants to grow everybody wants to get bigger um and they want to know how can they do it as fast as they can
0: well and folks I think Stacy's in a great spot because she is someone who's done it successfully twice and now she's helping others to do it and that's what we're going to kind of unravel today um, Talk to me about like the, the struggle of the local business when it comes to marketing. Like, first of all, why are local businesses struggling and why do they need to really like double down on their marketing game?
2: Well, we have to really get innovative as a local business. I mean, you're talking, you could have a competitor three buildings down from you, right down the street. You could be saturated with so many people where you drive down the road and you see three of exactly what it is you do. So we have to really be innovative. We have to be getting outside of our industry. The problem is we look at what we're doing and we start to copy what everybody else is doing. And I always tell people, get outside of what it is you do in your industry. I'm a big believer in learning my specific industry like a dance studio, but the best ideas I get is when I go to a conference that has nothing to do with my dance studio. I need to be thinking outside of the box. And so many people forget that. They wanna be better than their competitor. But really, we wanna be different than our competitors. And that's the biggest mistake I see local businesses making.
0: I mean, obviously, my business is not local. I guess you could say mine is global. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't understand the plight of the local business person. But I would imagine there's a lot of challenges, obviously, with you know depending on the location of the business, right? Depending yeah. on how much traffic is coming by, depending on how much advertising you're doing. I mean, all these things are at play locally. Am I right? Or yeah. No?
2: Yeah, no, and it's, it's very similar. You know, in the online space, we're kind of paying to play in Facebook ads. And if we can afford it, we can get in there and really get uh, out of this saturated market. But it's the same thing locally. Maybe we can't afford the prime real estate where we want our business to be, so we have to go down the street or in the industrial park or wherever that might be. So we have to really be thinking about visibility and not just people driving by, but how can people find us locally? And that is still going to include online strategies.
0: And I would imagine a lot of local businesses don't last very long. Is that a fair assessment?
2: Oh my, yeah, it really is. And it's so sad. I I have this one Business that I'm thinking of in in particular. Growing up, I've lived in the same area my entire life, and there's this one building that I swear has been five or six things that I can remember. And it just seems like the turnover. And you see the excitement, you see the grand opening signs, the balloons are out, you know, the the banners are out, and all of a sudden, it might be just a few months when the signs are down. The, you know, the curtains are being closed and you can tell, okay, things aren't going that well anymore. Or it's really easy to see when the parking lot is always empty, right? It's a very, very easy way to know how's it looking, What it, what's going on behind the curtains.
0: I would love to know, you know, um, first of all, what is it that these businesses are, you know, what kind of mistakes are they making with their marketing? Because obviously you and I are marketers and everyone who's listening is marketers. And we think that, um, you know, obviously they're probably not doing certain kinds of things. So what are some of the more common mistakes that you find local businesses kind of mess up with? Um, Talk to me about that.
2: I think there's a lot of assumptions happening. We assume that everybody knows who we are, especially if you've been around for a long time. You think everybody knows what it is you do, where you're located and all of that. But we'll have people we will do a lot of free and paid events at my locations. And we'll invite people to a free event. They'll sign up, they're on our website. They come in the building and they look around and they say, So, what is it you guys do? I mean, this is somebody who found our advertisement, went on our website, and they still don't know what it is we provide. Mm. So we have to spell it out. And that I think a lot of people are just assuming people know what we do, where we are, where we're located. And that's not the case. So we've got to be careful. That's that's one big one for sure. Another one is assuming that everybody knows that something is a standard in your industry. So we don't market specific things because we think everybody knows we do it. So for instance, I'll give you an example. Let's say that Every CPA does a free tax audit. That's just something so normal. You don't think as a CPA, I need to talk about that because everybody does it. So you don't mention it in your marketing, but then your competitor is advertising it like crazy. And when I'm shopping around online I all of a sudden pick somebody else because they look like they're adding so much more value than you are. So again, it's that assumption that everybody knows, oh, we of course give this for free or this is standard in our industry.
0: Oh, People I, don't and I want to pause in on this because this is the biggest problem with almost all marketing, even if it's online. The mm-hmm. marketing department takes things for granted. They just assume because we've heard internally over and over, we've written these messages over and over that everybody lives and breathes off the same playbook we do, but they don't, right? Right. And like, you have to keep repeating the message over and over again. And you have to know whether or not it works, right? Mm -hmm,
2: Definitely, for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I I think that We're just we're playing it safe. We're playing it small a lot of times. And we're not asking for reviews. We're hoping for these things. We're hoping people will just leave us a Facebook review or a Google review, but we're not taking the initiative to try to get them. And I think that's a big thing that people are missing out on is we really need to ask for what we want because people just don't know. You're assuming people know what you want and they don't.
0: Good, and I know that I know that we've got some other things that you and I had talked about in the pre-show, like not offering an incentive for someone to mm-hmm. show up. Talk to me about that a little bit.
2: Yeah, I think we have to incentivize in so many different ways, and a lot of people will question me and say, "Really? Do we really have to give people this, or we, do we really have to do that?" The problem here is we have to stand out. So you have to ask yourself, what is it that I can do that I'm going to stand out from my competitor? So one of the biggest things, just like you're trying to get people to show up live for a webinar because you know that it'll convert better, we want people to show up in our building because I know if they get in the door, have a better chance of converting them. So, for instance, one of my clients, um, she is like a meal prep service, and she has this really great funnel that gives away free cookie dough. Like, that's the incentive. Come in, you're going to get this free cookie dough. But she said, never does anybody ever just come in for the cookie dough, right? So, you've got to get them that incentive because once they're there, we know we're going to be able to upsell them to something else. Wait, wait, wait. So, so really just
0: important. so I'm clear, so the cookie dough does bring them in the door, but they always buy more. Is that what I'm hearing you say?
2: Correct. Yeah. So, what's the incentive just to show up? even if they don't buy, when we know these people are most likely nine times out of 10, maybe more going to buy from us.
0: I used to work in retail. Um, I used to work at Sears, which is kind of now not in a good spot. But I used to work in um, the electronics department and in the computer department. And the major appliances were just across from us. And um, Sears would advertise these inexpensive like refrigerators that mm-hmm. were not very good quality And the goal was to get people in the store to check them out. And a lot of times when they were in the store and they compared the inexpensive offer to some of the other offers, they would end up upgrading, you know, to something higher. So even a special sale, I would imagine on something that people need, knowing you might not make a lot of money on that, at least gets them in the store. Is that something we ought to do as well?
2: Yeah, definitely. And that really is kind of talking about lowering that barrier of entry. So if we want to advertise the refrigerator that's $5,000, it's going to be a lot harder than if there's one on sale for $7.99. So I love that you brought that up because sometimes we kind of give everything in the kitchen sink and we start promoting that. But that's probably not what your first-time customer is looking for, and you're scaring them. You're asking them to marry you, and they're really just looking to date right now. So you've got to ask them, what's a better sample? Because you know if they like it, they're in here, they'll most likely upsell to something else and increase their their frequency.
0: Is there anything else that local businesses are messing up with their marketing that we want to talk about before we talk about some ways to drive in foot traffic?
2: Yeah, so one of the things that we really want to have happen in our local market is I want people to want to shout me out. And Again, we hope that happens, but you've got to be strategic about it too. So here's a great example I want to use. There was this company, um, it's still around, but they changed their name. It used to be called Fashion Able. And they used to sell, I think, just really handbags and things like that, leather goods. But now they've kind of transitioned into jeans and other other things. But they knew people aren't going to want to wear the word Fashionable, Right. So they had to change their name to something that people would be okay with wearing. And I bring this up because I want people to have a car sticker, like a bumper sticker on their car with my logo. I want people, we have people that have yard signs with our logo in their front yard. We have to be attractive enough and incentivize this enough for them to go, yes, I will put this in my yard. Yes, I will put this on my brand new car. We have to be thinking about that. So how can you make sure that People are excited to shout you out and what are ways you can incentivize them to do that as well. So we do um, every month we have a giveaway. If I'm driving into Target or my team is driving into someplace locally and they see our bumper sticker or car window cling. They'll take a picture and then we will actually shout out the license plate winner and they'll get a free month or something like that. So we play games with it. We incentivize it. We blast it all over social media and more and more people are coming in, grabbing our free stickers, our free, our free yard signs. We don't charge people for these things. We want them to be doing it.
0: Um, in the neighborhood that I'm in, there's some new construction going on and there's a lot of people, having their landscape done as typically happens in new homes. And some people are putting in pools and I've seen this happen where the company that, um, you're negotiating with will give you a little discount. If you will put a sign in the front yard saying landscape by company X or pool by company Y while they're there constructing it, because that's just smart marketing. I don't know. Absolutely. I mean like doesn't I mean it's kind of a no-brainer and I would imagine you could write it into the contract so that it's yeah. either part of the standard thing or maybe there's a discount if you let them do it for a period of time or something.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great idea to incentivize a discount or something like that as well. And I think you have to understand when you want something, you want that approval. You want somebody that you know, like, and trust to say, oh, you should try them out. We love them. So to have it in a subdivision, your neighborhood, your neighbors actually saying, yes, this is who installed my pool. This is who does my landscaping. It's such great advertising because it's just that referral saying, yes, check them out. We've already done our our due diligence and we love them.
0: The last question before we move on is kind of related to um, someone's come into the store. Online, it's really easy to retarget, remarket, capture emails, that kind of stuff. But does that follow-up kind of stuff happen at all at the local level?
2: Great question. So ideally, it should. Does it happen? Not always. And it depends on who you have sitting maybe at your front desk or if you even have somebody working at the front desk, the reception in your lobby. So you have to be really careful that You aren't just thinking I'm hiring somebody for minimum wage and they're just going to answer the phones. These people are your salespeople and you don't understand how valuable they really are. So you really want them to understand coming in. That's their main job is to really serve the people walking through the door. And the best way we can serve is by getting their information, following up. Do they have any questions? Um, It's such an important thing. And my receptionist, my front desk, they know get as much information as we can, get their phone number, get their email address, whatever it is we can get, get it because we want to do the follow-up for sure.
0: Yeah. and, And I mean, it seems like a no brainer to those of us that do online marketing because we try to get people to fill out forms and, you know, we try to get them to, you know, take certain kinds of actions online. But I would imagine in a retail environment, or any kind of, you know, local business environment, it may not be intuitive to the people that are working there to think, to do that. Like, hey, what's your phone number? I will have the owner uh, personally follow up with you and, 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 you know, share more about like, whether or not you're a good fit for our dance studio or whatever. Right. I mean, that's the kind of thing that would be like even good service. Right.
2: Right. And the hard part is there's just less automation. So if you have one girl working behind the desk and you get a few people standing in line, she starts to get rushed and pressured and she's just trying to give you info as fast as she can. And a lot of times I see businesses not having that follow up in because they're, they're staffed. They're just understaffed. And you've got to be careful that you're not losing people because you're not staffing properly.
0: Let's zoom in on foot traffic because I know that you've got a whole bunch of different ways that you get foot traffic or that you teach that people ought to get foot traffic to local businesses. Um, feel free to start wherever you want to t- start and let's start talking yeah. about some of these.
2: Okay, great. There's lots of different ways to do this. So when people come to me, especially if they already have an established business, they have clients, I always tell them the fastest way to get new clients is to get referrals. Word of mouth is usually what they'll call that. And they'll it'll be their number one source of traffic. Typically, when I work with a local business, that is always their number one source. It's word of mouth. And I always say, how can we, you know, take our referrals and really escalate them, amplify that? So for us, we specifically have a referral program that people are aware of. So we kind of use the direct TV model, if that makes sense, where you get something, but your friend also gets something. We take that approach and we love it because it gives people they feel better advertising it, telling their friends, their neighbors about it when they both get something.
0: Give me an yeah. example of what you mean by that.
2: Yeah. Okay. So for instance, um, I'll, I'll use my studio, but I can use another example of a business too. So if somebody comes to my studio, they're going to and refer somebody. Not only will the person who referred get a $50 tuition credit, but the person who the friend, she's also going to get a $50 tuition credit. So they're both getting something. So my person that's going to refer is excited to refer, but then the person coming in doesn't feel, she doesn't get a bad taste in her mouth when she all of a sudden discovers that her friend just got a $50 credit, right? Because your friend is going to say, hey, if you go there, tell them about me because you'll get something and so will I. But a lot of times people don't have that method. They just refer the friend and, or they, they, I should say they refer the person that refers. So when the friend finds out that your friend was incentivized, all of a sudden you're thinking, do they really like this place or do they want the credit or do they want the gift card or the gift or whatever? So it takes
0: the ick out of the referral.
2: Yes, you you want people to know. We even have a big sign when you walk in the building that shares our refer a friend incentive. We have brochures on it. Nobody is surprised that we have this policy. But you're also not gonna refer somebody to something if you truly don't like what you're doing either. So we feel really confident about the way this works. And there's a lot of people that they love this and they will be earning this tuition credit off of their tuition every single month because they're constantly sharing us. I mean, they're basically paid Say like sales salesmen for free is basically what's happening for us.
0: Now, does this only work for service based businesses or can this work for like restaurants and stuff, too?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think of how you could use this where um, you get a free your next meal is on them. And then the person that comes in, same thing, maybe they get a free appetizer or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be the same exact gift. You just have to ask yourself, like, what's the win-win? So I recently signed up for Box, which is a meat subscription, if you've heard of that, delivered right to your door. And if I refer somebody, I can have this little link, I can share it with them, and they're also going to get like a free package of bacon or something like that. So the more you can say, hey, use my link, here's what you're going to get too, it's just a better feeling for everybody.
0: Okay, next question related to this is, is there a cool piece of software or service that tracks all this stuff so you don't have to as the local business person?
2: I wish. I would say there's a couple, there's there's couple like specific ones for certain industries. So you've got to just really be watching and figuring out what's happening in your industry. So for me specifically... I'm not only thinking outside of the box, but I am staying up to date in what's going on in my dance studio space. I've seen a lot of different industries where they're like, oh, yes, we have this. And it's somebody in that industry, in that niche that's created it. So you've got to really stay on top of that because there are some great softwares that are just for photographers, just for swimming schools, just for CPAs. So really be watching for those.
0: But for the most part, I would imagine you just have a little booklet with their name and the name of the customer and you just know to give them a discount next time they come in or something like that. Is that generally how it's done?
2: Yeah. So for us specifically, one of the things that we used to do and now we do strategically is we used to just put this, we would, we would send out an email, we would put a credit in their account so we would know. So we have a software system that's, that uses for auto pay and things like that. But now what we do is we mail out a gift card. It's really powerful when you can get something in their home. A lot of times with emails and electronic things, we forget they exist. We forget we bought that online course. But when you're looking at something on your counter with that person's logo, it's a great reminder to get back in there and use this gift card. So now we really are manually mailing out the gift cards and no, this is not really we don't want this to happen, but a lot of people won't use the gift card. They forget the gift card exists. So, or they keep meaning to use it. It's in their wallet, but they're not using it. So it's something that just stays with them with our logo on it. And we really do want that.
0: Perfect. Awesome. So we've talked about this, uh, word of mouth referral model concept where each, both the referrer and the referee get something. What else can we do to drive more local foot traffic?
2: So a lot of people say that Facebook organic marketing is dead. It's it's not something that you should spend your time on. We are still having luck with it. And I think there is a different strategy when it comes to local versus this big online space. So I don't want you to think that local traffic is completely dead. But I do want you to think of ways that you can really kind of beef it up. And I'll give you an example. So using other people's audiences. So if you are in the, um, let's say, let's do like a dentist. Okay. If you're in a dentist space, what other areas or other local businesses could you partner with to make it make sense where you have the same audience? How can we do contests online? How can we draw all three of our Facebook traffic to some sort of contest where we each put in a prize, right? That's the best part is I would imagine can- you could,
0: you could partner with hair salons, right? Because people Absolutely. that want white cleaning, uh, teeth whitening also want their hair done, right?
2: absolutely hair salons nail salons massage there's so many things that are complementary which is why a lot of times you see them in the same strip mall because it makes sense you want to pick up your movie well that that used to be the case blockbuster was always next to the pizza place right mm. it makes sense so figure out what makes sense for you who would you want to have in your dream strip mall like that's what it's like online on Facebook or Instagram wherever your people are hanging out so partner with some local businesses that you guys could each go in in, give a gift, and then you're sharing each other's social media platforms. It's so this this can blow up your your social media growth very quickly for free because everybody loves a contest. So and you're not getting cold traffic, so to speak. You're getting a very warm audience that already loves the specific service and it's complimentary to yours. So this is a great way to do it, and you can say things like you know, these three businesses are partnering for this huge giveaway. Go like each of our fan pages, make sure to tag somebody below, you know, you can make up whatever it is you're looking for, but make sure that all three of you or however many you use, it's a win win for everybody.
0: Let's talk through this a little bit. Um, what tools are you using to pull this off? Because I know there are tools out there that are doing this kind of stuff, or are you not using any tools at all?
2: Um, actually we are not using tools right now. We're doing some things on Instagram and on Facebook and we're really, and here's the thing, we're usually the leaders. We're usually the people reaching out to, if you're going, why is nobody reaching out to me? It might not be happening right now locally for you. You might have to be the person starting it, leading it, and really putting all of some of the work into it, knowing you're going to get that audience back and it'll be worth it to you.
0: Okay. Well, let's talk about how you would structure something like that. So let's take these three examples. Let's say you got a hair salon, yeah. uh, a massage place, and a uh, dentist. Um, yes. How would you approach them and how would you like convince them to, to kind of come together and do this and then walk us through a little bit of the structure?
2: Yeah. So everybody wants to know what's in it for them and how much of my time is this going to take or what is this going to cost me? So just kind of figure out what are their objections going to be and put that out there right then for them. Now, one thing you're selling them, I mean, you're really trying to, whether it's a sale or not, you really are selling them, convincing them to do this. So I would do a little bit of sense of urgency and I would say, Hey, this is who I am. This is who I serve. And I'm looking for one nail salon, one massage place, one dentist office, whatever that may look like, and I would say, I'm sending this email or I'm sending this through mail to X amount of locations, and it's first come, first serve. When I get somebody, that's who it's going to be, you know, for my dentist or whoever it is you're going to say. Having that sense of urgency Nobody wants to know that their competitor is going to be the one nail salon you're talking about, right? They want to be the nail salon that you are shouting out. So I I love the idea of having that exclusivity of one type of business for whoever you're shouting out. And then I would let them know, My team is going to be handling the social posts. Here's what we're expecting from you, though. Please make sure that you share this on your page or you post this. It's just like in the online space when you do an affiliate program and you're giving them swipe copy, social media graphics. You're doing all of the work. This is the same thing that I would do. And if you don't have time, this could be something your team helps you with as well.
0: I love this. So. And of course you would go to these places and you would say, by the way, this is who my customer base is. And I know they'd yep. be interested in your service, right? So this is a great opportunity for, for people that do not know you, uh, dentist, massage place, whatever, um, for you to hopefully get some nice exposure to, um, an audience that likely would be interested in your services and, um, uh, I would imagine once you get the yes, then what's the next step? Talk to us about what happens after that.
2: Yes. So the next step is really planning this out. What do you need to know from them? So what I would let them know, we are expecting a gift valued at X amount of dollars. You don't want somebody, you know, having all of these hundred dollar gifts and then somebody else gives you a $20. You know, make sure it's a minimum value of figure that out what you want that to look like. Let them know how are they going to deliver it. Just because you're organized does not mean they're organized. And now you're really connecting yourself to this other company and you want to make sure that the the product is delivered, the gift is delivered. So maybe you make them give it to you and then you hand it out to whoever is the winner. I always get nervous when I'm doing something with other companies You just don't know what their systems are like if they have systems at all. So just be careful. The first time you do it and you don't know them well, I would probably take a lot of this in-house so you're really leading it. But that's what I would do next. I would start to come up with graphics. I would start to give dates and deadlines of when they need to be posting. So they're aware. And then I would say, you know, the more we can each shout this out to our audiences, the better our crossover is going to be. So really making sure that they're engaged. And I would also let them know if this is successful, we're going to keep doing more of these. So please make sure to participate if you want to be in the next round.
0: How are you positioning this uh, promo to the audience uh, that's going to be receiving it? You know, the the fans or whatever, like talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So for me as a local business owner, I am always talking about other local businesses. I'm really trying to uh, celebrate the accomplishments of other local businesses as well. And one of the things that we do is in my lobby, I just bought this nice little, I want, it's kind of like a, a little brochure holder and we will actually have other businesses, complimentary businesses. They're allowed to come and actually put their brochure inside of our lobby. Now, when you're doing that, it's one of those things where, you know, it's kind of like, I'll scratch your back. You scratch mine, right? You're giving that favor. And these are the people that are always shouting us out, always helping us. And I, I just think the more you can be involved and show that you're here to support them, the more they want to support you.
0: Okay. But back to the contest, how are you describing the contest when you're posting it, oh, I guess too, is what I'm yes. Saying. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. So no, but that was great, I, by the way. That was a great little okay. side thing. <laughs>
2: So when I'm describing the contest to, sorry, this is where I was going with it. I like to support other businesses. So I'm going to say, did you know, and I, maybe I'm going to talk about these other people, let them know why this dentist is the place to go or what they should know about this nail salon or this hair salon, et cetera. So I'm going to be bringing it up and I'm going to say that we collectively brought this contest for you and for our audience. And we are so excited to have this giveaway. Um, And I might tie it into something going on. So for February, we did a share the love contest. Um, December, we have the 12 days of giveaways. There are so many things you could do. Uh, we have an in-person, uh, like a, a big recital we do twice a year we have about 5,000 people that walk through the door uh, to watch their dancer. And we are getting different giveaways from other businesses where we'll select a seat, an audience winner. So we're constantly going, how can we make this be a win-win? And our audience is so used to us sharing about other businesses. They know that we are the place to go and that we have all of these friends in the community as well. And it really gives us even more credibility.
0: Okay. So, uh, let's say you're talking about, let's say it's February and you're doing share the love, you know, and you've got these, these awesome three or four businesses you partner with for this awesome giveaway. What is the action that is typically done by the consumer in order to, in order to put their name in the hat for the contest?
2: Yeah. So I guess the big question is, what is the intention behind the contest? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to fill a specific program? Are you trying to just get more followers on a certain platform, get people in the door? So you always have to have an intention behind what it is you're doing to decide where do I want to go from here? What do I want people to do? Like, what is that call to action? So for me, I might want people just to share out a specific graphic or share out a specific post. I might want people to tag their friends so they just check out our our feed and see what's going on. I'm going to make sure my feed is loaded with value and really making sure that when somebody comes to me, everything looks really nice so people can start to see that we are the place they want to check out. So liking, sharing, tags, um, anything like that to get people doing something. And reviews. It could be leading us a Google review, leaving us a Facebook review, whatever it is you're looking for. Just keep asking yourself, what is the intention? What do we need right now?
0: Yeah. It's really important to make sure you don't violate obviously Facebook's terms of service yes. for contests. You're going to want to Google that and look that up. Um, what about sending them to a site where they just fill out a little form and then sharing the leads with everybody? Do you do that as well or no?
2: I don't know that we have done that. That's a great idea with a landing page and actually collecting it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, I'm gonna steal that. That's a really good idea. Yeah,
0: you can say you learned it from Mike. <laughs> yeah, because why not? like you could easily yeah. you could easily create a little page that says this is where you enter, right? Um, I'll tell you what we've done in the past. we don't do it as much anymore, but we would give away a free ticket to one of our events. Mm-hmm. and what we told people was there was two ways to enter. Number one was to tweet about it. Number two was to write uh, a comment on our blog post about why we should choose you, and we would randomly choose one tweet, and we would randomly choose one comment, and um, and then each of them would like the grand prize would be like you get not just the ticket but you get your like hotel and ticket you know, and yeah. then the second prize the second prize would just be the ticket, and um, that stuff worked like gangbusters, um, but they had to take some sort of attractable action. But but in your yeah. case, if if the if the prize is really really big. I would imagine you would want them to fill out a form and then, you know, have some sort of disclosure that, hey, um, you know, obviously uh, your data is going to be shared with the four um, organizations and and we will be maybe reviewing maybe one of the questions on the form. And you could even make them maybe do an action like tell us why we should select you as the grand prize winner. And then you could explain that you're going to be sharing all the results with all the uh, the businesses. And then collaboratively, you guys will pick the grand prize winner and maybe the second prize winner will, be, will get this. I don't know. I'm just thinking organically. Yeah, no,
2: I love it. I love it. And I think the more feedback you can get and the more it, it's funny how much people will do for a free gift. And even sometimes these gifts are not that big, but they are so excited about that. So I love that you're saying to try to grab more of this information because I bet a lot of people will still do it.
0: And one crazy, thing is if you send them to a page, you can remarket to them.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. I'm done. done. I'm going to have to re-listen to this podcast just to get that, that gold.
0: Let's talk about Facebook ads. Um, I know that you do recommend sometimes using Facebook ads for local business uh, to help drive traffic. What ought we be thinking about?
2: So we do use Facebook ads and I think it's starting to get more, more. I guess, the norm in this world of the local business. I mean, I'm sure there's lots that still don't. But I mean, just a few years ago, nobody was running local business traffic. It was strictly online. And I, I think one of the biggest things that hold people up is the expense of hiring somebody to do Facebook ads. We'll hear a two, $3,000 amount, not including ad spend, and people locally are thinking, I'll never get my return on my investment. Wow. So I always tell people... If that's the case for you, then you're going to have to do something in-house. You're going to have to buy a course. There's amazing courses out there that teach this. Buy a course, go on Facebook's site and learn from their videos and tutorials. And somebody needs to do it in-house. This isn't something that you can no longer say, we're just not going to do it. I I think landing pages, all the online marketing stuff is becoming the new norm in local businesses.
0: Um, Do you have any experience yourself running Facebook ads?
2: Yeah. So I haven't been doing my own Facebook ads and I recently, it was just crazy, have been learning more and more about it. And first, it's good for me to be doing it for just coaching purposes. People are always asking me questions. So instead of me referring outside a lot, I'm able to answer a little bit more. Um, But we really are because I want to know. I, I love statistics. I love numbers. I love getting my hands dirty and seeing it. I'm more of somebody that's kind of coming in and being the visionary, not somebody that's actually doing the day-to-day though.
0: Well, let me ask you this question because I've never run a local Facebook ad, so I don't know. Like, how Do you know anything about the targeting? Can you target by address or zip code or anything yeah, like so that? You,
2: yeah, you can target by zip code. So that's one of the best things for us is we just know what areas our clients already are coming from like which ones are the big ones and then who do we want to go out i mean obviously we have two cities that we have businesses in but we we target more than just those two cities so we're able to put the zip code in there
0: i think if i'm not mistaken that facebook also can track people that walk into your store and i'm going off i'm going off on a possible trail here but I'm pretty confident that I've seen inside of the ads manager the ability for like store check-ins and 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 other stuff like that.
2: Oh. I, okay, <laughs> yeah cuz they can check in through Facebook. I'm I don't know about that. I'm going to check because that could be that's the thing is Just because they're in your building, people think, why? Why would I need to target them? Right. But we need to retarget them. We need to make sure we're engaging with them and that they're buying again and again. So it's so I mean, those are your best leads are the people in your building. I love that.
0: Yeah. And I'm not a Facebook ads expert, but I'm pretty confident that you can target people that are fans of. Uh, or like certain kinds of things. So if you could choose another local business and say people that like this local business who happens to have a Facebook page, you might be able to target people in the the local area. And and I'm pretty confident you can also target by city. I'm almost positive about that. But um, one thing for people that do want to learn more about Facebook ads is we do have a pretty substantial repository of stuff on socialmediaexaminer.com. I don't know if we have anything on local Facebook ads, but what I hear from a lot of people is that Facebook ads can be expensive, but these are people that are targeting the whole country. And I think if you target just the local area, it's probably a lot more economical than you might realize.
2: Yeah, it really is. And you can, we have certain campaigns. We know what event is coming up or what we're trying to fill. It's actually very easy for us to see, is this profitable? Did we make our return on our investment?
0: Yeah. And I'm almost 100% certain that if you use a Facebook event and you have people like RSVP to the event you can advertise to those people to make sure Mm -hmm. they show up. So, you know, people use Facebook events for all sorts of things. It's kind of the alternative way to get people to come to a local event.
2: Definitely. Uh, And I
0: know for a fact that you can definitely advertise to anybody who said they're going, they might be going, they're not going. And that's another thing you might want to experiment with as well. Is there any other stuff, Stacey, that that we haven't covered as far as driving local traffic?
2: Um, I think we covered the big ones. I I really am just a big fan of, uh, keep asking yourself, where is the win-win here? I think so many people, they're just looking, how can I get more people in? But really, how can we get them excited about coming in? You just have to remember that.
0: Awesome. Well, first of all, um, on behalf of all the local business owners who are listening right now, Stacey, I just want to say thank you so much. Why don't you tell everybody where they can discover your new podcast and all the other cool stuff you've got going on?
2: Yeah, so you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Stacey Tushel. And then the podcast is called Foot Traffic. It was formerly She's Building Her Empire. So if you see that, that's what it is. But we've we've recently changed it to Foot Traffic and I'm just I'm so excited. So thank you so much, Mike, for having me here today.
0: Yeah, and do me a favor, spell your last name because I don't think everybody's gonna oh, be able to figure yes. that out.
2: This is always the question I get. So the last name is Tushel, T-U-S-C-H-L.
0: Awesome. Well, everybody, um, be sure to check out stacytushel.com. Stacy, on behalf of everyone, thank you again for coming on and sharing all your wisdom and insights. I know we're better off as a result of it.
2: Oh, thank you so much.
0: I hope you got a lot out of today's interview. By the way, if there's anything that we mentioned today and you did not catch it, we take all the notes for you. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 353. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.